0: Hello and welcome to Volleyball State, a look at college volleyball in six rotations, usually. Proudly sponsored this week by the University of Nebraska Federal Credit Union, whereby just listening to this show, you are eligible to be a member. I'm Jeff Sheldon. And I'm Lincoln Arneal. And we are recording this show late on Sunday evening, a couple hours after Texas dominates Nebraska, sweeps them 3-0 for the national championship. And uh, it was one of the more dominating wins in NCAA championship history. We're gonna take you through that. We're gonna break down what went wrong for the Huskers, what went right for the Longhorns. Uh and hopefully, you know, this can be um this can be a little cathartic for Nebraska fans, maybe. Uh it'll it'll at least explain maybe all of the things that that went wrong for Nebraska in this national championship match. Although You know, you could have watched, you could not have watched a volleyball match in your life before Lincoln, I think, and, and come away with a pretty solid idea for who was the more solid team and maybe what exactly it went wrong. So what we want to do tonight is we want to focus specifically on this one match for the NCAA championship. And we're not going to look at the big picture of what Nebraska is going to do, um, you know, for the coming years and. And who they're going to have back and who they might not have back. I think we're going to try to wrap up the season at a 30,000 foot level. Sometime later on this week, we want to get a good guest for you too. That's going to be able to, to help bring some wisdom and some context to that conversation. But for right now, we're just, we're just going to be two guys who are watching the same volleyball match with uh, with different perspectives from different locations, but who ultimately I think are, are coming to a lot of the same conclusions, which is, Tonight, uh, Lincoln, Texas was was just by far the more superior team.
1: For sure, yes. Usually, we'd uh, go through and kind of preview our rotations, but we are going rotation free tonight, uh, just because it's one match. We have a lot of thoughts. We got some play by play. We'll talk talk about, uh, but yeah, just some general takeaways, and we'll we'll just see where the conversation <laughs> takes us, and hopefully, uh, M- much
0: hopefully like Nebraska today, yeah, much like Nebraska today, we're having a hard time getting in system. <laughs> And, um, but hey, we, we do want you to continue to follow the show on social media. You can find us at Volleyball Pod on Twitter. Of course, email the show uh, your thoughts maybe about tonight's national championship match, and we can share them on a future show. We're at volleyballstate at gmail.com. And of course, we are a part of the Podcast House Podcasting Network, Podcast House Media Podcasting Network. You can find this show and all the great Podcast House shows at PodcastHouseMedia.com. And if you want to find us individually, I am on Twitter at ByJeffSheldon. Lincoln, where can the folks find all your great stuff that you've produced all week long in Tampa?
1: Yes, uh, you can find some of it. Most of it's linked on my Twitter account, which is Lincoln underscore VB uh, or on threads at Lincoln A underscore VB. Uh, And also all my articles are posted on Huskers Illustrated. I got some recap videos, preview videos. Um, and all of that. And also, uh, this next week, I will be uh, submitting my ballot for the Volleyball Mag All-American Awards. Uh, I think they come out later this week. I have to get them in by Wednesday. So they will come out mm-hmm. more than likely later this week. Uh, I, I can tell you who my uh, player of the year will likely be. It won't be the, won't match ABCA's, <laughs> But it, uh, <laughs> Nebraska fans uh, got a good glimpse at probably the uh, likely Volleyball Mag's player of the year this week.
0: So I know... I know that ABCA puts out their All American teams and their all of their awards before the the national championship matches are played and the semifinals in some cases, and that's because they have to have it line up with the convention yes. and the banquet that happens. You know when it happens. Do you like the way? Do you think that that the awards are a better reflection of the season as a whole when they wait for the season to be done? Or yeah, should you really think missing, that this they, should be just, more like a regular season?
1: Yeah, I think they I mean they take a, into account a couple weeks of the uh, postseason because the regional awards, uh, which are then make you eligible to be an all-American, come out between the first weekend and the second weekend, and then sometime but, oh after the regional finals, the committee gets together and figures out who all the all-Americans are. But you're missing a couple very key data points too, and if the team gets hot mm-hmm. like Texas did. Uh, it really, it kind of short changes them a little bit. Um, it's not like Texas came from off the map into uh, the title, but it it mm-hmm. is not a complete picture of the entire season. You're it, it's not as bad as like voting for a football national championship before the bowl season, but it, it's close to that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, it, at least in, in pro sports, a lot of times your, your MVP award is very deliberately and, and they say it up front. It's a regular season award and yeah. the postseason has their own, Um, set of awards and and it's kind of i guess the same way in volleyball where madison skinner was named the most outstanding player of the final four while sarah franklin from wisconsin was the national player of the year even though skinner i think had a really good argument to be named the national player of the year i i assume that she's going to sleep easy tonight um, with all of the awards and accolades she did earn and not think too much about uh the one that she didn't so we're going to get into maddie skinner's performance against nebraska and uh the the entire texas team just really imposing their will on nebraska from the service line here in a second we do want to take a second though first to thank the university of nebraska federal credit union who has been a supporter of the show for the last few weeks they're a proud supporter of husker volleyball all season long and husker volleyball fans now they can say they're a proud sponsor of volleyball state and we are grateful for them as well because we know there's a lot of nebraska alumni fans and friends who listen to this show and if you're an alum of any of the University of Nebraska campuses, if you have a family member who's an alum, if you're on staff, or hey, if you're just a big Husker fan, you can also become a member of the credit union. And what does that get you? Membership in the University of Nebraska Federal Credit Union has great benefits, including personal service. A real live person is going to pick up the phone and answer when you call and is going to be there to walk you through any of the complicated financial data that the credit union has access to. Plus, All the convenient online options, an updated website, a mobile app so you can bank from anywhere. And members like me get low interest rates on loans like home equity, refinancing, and auto loans with never any added fees. Their staff is committed to making banking easy for you. They've got two locations in Lincoln. You can stop in downtown at 17th and P. Or if you find yourself uh, with easier access to Central Lincoln, you can find them at 52nd Street just north of O and always find them. Uh, complete details online and become a member at nufcu.org. dot O R G. Thank you so much to the university of Nebraska federal credit union for supporting us at volleyball state Lincoln
1: right into the match. I mean, final, final score, Texas ended up winning it in a sweep. 25, 22, 25, 14, 25, 11. Uh, and we talked about it a little bit too, but to me, uh, this whole match started with Maddie Skinner. She had a kill on the first rally of the match really kind of set the tone to she finishes with 16 kills hit 273 and beat nebraska's block in every single way possible she hit around it she hit over it and nebraska does not have a small block they uh she Mm -hmm. made child's play out of it and just made nebraska look like i mean she got blocked a few times but really really used the block to her advantage and made it seem like it wasn't even there for most of the match One of the
0: plays that sticks out to me, and I'd have to look back through my notes to see if it was a Game 2 play. Um, I think it was a Game 2 play. Because I really stopped taking notes in Game 3, as we'll talk about here, uh, why in just a second. But uh, there was an out-of-system bump set to Maddie Skinner. Nebraska threw up a triple block against her, and she had such great vision. That when she got up in the... By the way, she could have just hit that down over the top of Nebraska's triple block because she can get up so high. She's such an amazing athlete. But the triple block had left this massive hole in the Nebraska's left-back defense. And she just... She didn't crush it. She didn't hit a roll shot. It was somewhere in between. But she just tucked it down over the top of Nebraska's block into this massive hole that Nebraska's defense had left. And you're like, this is a player who can do kind of anything she wants. and And she... It was such an amazing performer, not only in the regional final against Stanford, but the national semifinal against Wisconsin and kept it going on Sunday against Nebraska. When you have that player, you know, in sports sometimes like it just comes down to do you have the best player in the match mm-hmm. and or the game? And Texas absolutely had the best player in the game. Three national championships now from Maddie Skinner, one in Kentucky, and then she transfers to Texas and she wins the last two. This is going up there, you know, uh, as good of a resume as you could have possibly had in college volleyball.
1: Which I think she's the first non-Penn State, non-Staff Stanford person to win three titles. I think those, I mean, those teams had their own dynasties and were very, had a lot of great players too. And, Mm -hmm. And she kind of, she played with her older sister that freshman year. She wasn't the star on the Kentucky team. And she had Logan Eggleston to carry the load last year. But this no doubt was her performance, her team that she carried the title. I think the one, I, that might the, the triple block may have been the twenty four twenty two and out of system play at the end of the first set maybe uh but okay. I, do, I do the other play that I remember distinctly uh from where I was sitting too is a back row attack uh middle late first set that the ball was just set perfectly and it seemed like she almost froze in air like it was almost like an like an air jordan silhouette where she just was hanging way up above and just had her she could scan the court to see what was in front of her and just laser to kill to the floor. And I mean, just an impressive mm-hmm. athlete and really carry Texas, uh, Texas. Yeah. All season, really, not just tonight. This is nothing new for her.
0: When when I think back over the history of Texas, Nebraska matches that I've covered, uh, um, I think there are more Texas wins, certainly in that series than than, in Nebraska, than Nebraska wins. Like, I can think of two Nebraska wins off the top of my head. Um, but every other, you know, I can think of maybe four or five Texas wins. And it just seems like Texas always has that one player that you cannot stop. Like, you can game plan. You could try to serve tough. Um, they won this, they won that battle the day that they signed that player to come to the 40 acres. And whether that player is a, um, you know, a Destiny Hooker type player from 10 or 12 years ago, or Haley Eckerman or Logan Eggleston this year, it was Maddie Skinner. They just have better athletes than you a lot of the time. And that is what, um, that is what happened. Well, that was one of the things that happened today. We're going to get into the other thing that actually is, if you're a volleyball purist and you look at the skills of volleyball, Texas completely outclassed Nebraska in one of the basic fundamental building blocks of volleyball over and over again. But a Matty Skinner was was absolutely outstanding, completely deserves the, the most outstanding player of the final four. And, um, it, you know, had had the biggest smile on the court, I think, on on Sunday afternoon.
1: He deserved it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the next area we'll talk about, too, is the next kind of the to me was a defining part of the whole match. Set the tone again, too, was Texas had 12 service aces against Nebraska. Uh, they came at all very key times. The first set ended on a service ace by uh, Kayalana uh, Akana for former Nebraska mm-hmm. player. Uh, we talked. Asia O'Neill had four during that eleven-zero run in the second set. There was two more during a six-zero run in that second set too. And then, of course, most appropriately, the match ended on a mm-hmm. uh, on a, a service ace too. The only, the only way it could the match could end was a service ace. So, and and, and besides those aces, uh, Nebraska just. Had so much trouble passing. They were out of system mm-hmm. most of the night. It felt like because Texas was just serving bombs, and mm-hmm. they, Nebraska struggled to handle it.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, Lincoln, we could we could spend the entire show just talking about the serve and the pass battle because to me that was the entire match. We could have we could have spent forty five minutes talking about serve and pass and got to Maddie Skinner at the end, and I think it would have been an accurate read on what happened in this match and i don't say this you know with with hyperbole because we're, we're sitting here just hours after the national championship match and nebraska was dominated um in the servant pass game this is literally the worst passing match i have ever seen nebraska have and i yeah. don't say that lightly no. and and i don't say that to be mean i i say that because i want everyone to understand how rare what we just saw was nebraska didn't just get served off the court they got served off the planet they got served to jupiter by texas um and and texas aced nebraska 12 times you could have told me it was 18 times and i would believe you that is the most number of aces nebraska has given up in the rally scoring era um nebraska hit a season low 013 and and it you set aside the aces for a second even the balls that weren't aces Nebraska was passing like the ball was covered in snakes. Like, I don't know what exactly, you know, I, w- I really wanted to ask you this from your seat in the arena. You can't always tell ball movement like on TV. Were these balls that were like moving late, like knuckleballs? It's not like Texas ran a bunch of jump, um, like jump top spin servers out there that was mm-hmm. hitting the floor. They were all jump floats. And if you have a heart and, and they were, you know, hard line drive serves, but usually you can handle those unless the ball moves late and it becomes like someone's throwing you a slider in baseball. And, you know, four, I think five different Nebraska players got aced Texas had their matchups that they obviously felt really good about because from, from serve one, they were picking on Nebraska's outside hitters, Harper Murray and Allie Batenhorst who, who both, you know, really struggled to, to, to pass Texas serves. But like, I think it was, in the middle of game two, when Lexi Rodriguez got aced, the best libero in the country, and we're like, oh my gosh, what are we what are we even doing here? Nebraska got pushed around yeah. from the service line in a way I, that I have never seen anyone else do to them.
1: Well, it goes back to our, the conversation we had in the uh, preview pod for the match, two with Lauren Cook-West was saying, because the court is on top of that hockey rink, it just creates a lot of cold air. And to me, what I saw is the ball was diving late, so the players mm-hmm. were set up, thought they were going to get it, but then they had to lurch forward to kind of dig the ball and keep it up. And, and to me, that's where a lot of the airs came. Came was on that they weren't in the correct mm-hmm. position. So the movement that I saw was was that late dive and the ball just kind of falling off the mm-hmm. table. Um, it wasn't, I mean, there was a couple of shanks, but a lot of them, they just weren't in position for, and mm-hmm. so that, that's, that's to me what the, the the issue was, and I think it, Texas was just serving aggressively, too, and they made errors. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean they had eight service errors, too, so they were being a- aggressive, but it paid off mm-hmm. more so than they were hurt by it.
0: Yeah, well, and I mean, this is just a continuation of what Texas did on Thursday night against Wisconsin. I, yeah. I forget how many aces they had. They might have had 10, they had 11. Uh-huh. So that's that's what twenty three aces in your two final four matches, and and Texas was was serving Sarah Franklin Wisconsin and, and getting te- Wisconsin out of system, and they did the same thing to an even greater degree uh, to Nebraska against Sun on Sunday. I was sitting there as I was watching it, Lincoln. I was trying to think of like what's the right cross sport metaphor to describe what exactly is happening, and it's not quite like you keep dropping the snap in football because the other team is initiating the play. <laughs> to me, it's like the best i could come up with is if, if a basketball team put a full court press on you and you just couldn't get the ball across half court or you know you get the ball across half court you turn it over 25 times and even when you get it across half court you only have 10 seconds to shoot so not only you know are you getting turned over but when you don't turn it over you just are in such a, a mess you can't run your offense and i thought that what john i read a quote from john cook in the post game That I thought was very interesting. He said, Up through, up until November, I thought we were the best passing team in the country. Lexi Rodriguez was the number one passing Libero. Nebraska was the best passing team. And, but, you know, it's not like we didn't see clues that something like this could happen in recent matches because in the regional final against Arkansas, I felt like Nebraska got served off the court at times there, but it ultimately didn't hurt them because Nebraska was able to, you know, comport themselves enough to get the kills when they needed to. And I didn't think they passed that great on Thursday against Pittsburgh either. I thought Nebraska was out of system a bit and, and it just didn't hurt them. And Texas is the team that can really punish you um, by, by putting that weakness under a magnifying glass. And, and that's ultimately, I feel like what they, what they did on Sunday.
1: Yeah. They don't have the weaknesses that maybe a a pit has with inconsistent hitting or, I mean, Arkansas, but they're undersized. Nebraska's block was able to uh, Mm -hmm. do a lot more and just, Texas was a lot more well-rounded versions of those teams that really didn't have an exploitable weakness I thought or at least I saw I mean they did earlier mm-hmm. in the year but not not in December they were they deserve this national title and they they definitely won it yeah proof that they were the well, best team on the court
0: when when you were in the post game today like did uh, there a lot of times there can be just like a sense of shock that settles over the players and and they're kind of grieving at the time too so I, I don't know you know always how insightful a player in a losing post game press conference is going to be, but was there surprise sort of from was there any indications from John Cook that this completely like gobsmacked him and he didn't see it coming, or you know was he like, yeah, you know, we've been struggling with passing for a long time, and they finally got us on it.
1: No, I think that what you said too, I mean Nebraska saw this against Wisconsin, I mean they were prepared for Texas to come out and serve aggressively and uh, serve balls that were tough to pass and maybe they thought they could handle it better, but they did not. So I, I don't I don't know if it, mm-hmm. it was a surprise, but I think they were just surprised by how lopsided it was and maybe how quick everything mm-hmm. came crashing down. I mean, Nebraska was looking good until the middle of the second set and then the wheels just came off yeah. and the dumpster, the dumpster lit on fire too. So it was just, it, it went <laughs> very quickly from, okay, Nebraska yeah. has, and Nebraska has a chance to Oh, this is going to this is a sweet. So,
0: yes. Well, and one thing that I you notice about teams that struggle passing is especially if a couple of players are getting targeted um, like Nebraska had um, Harper Murray and Ali Horace getting targeted early on is other players kind of try to try a little too hard mm-hmm. to make up for it. And yeah. and you saw that, um, you know, Laney Choboy and Lexi Rodriguez, you know, they're diving in front of players trying to uh, to take serves so Nebraska can start their offense. And and everyone just tries a little too hard. And that's yeah. when you see the mistakes start to pile up. Um, you know, Texas was doing a good job serving in gaps, but, you know, they were also hitting hard line drives that you didn't have to you, you you had to react very quickly to. And so, you know, I you were waiting for the best Nebraska teams. Sorry, I'm trying to put this thought together on the fly. The best Nebraska teams serve like that. Yeah. The best Nebraska teams win the serve and pass battle. May, they might not always have like a Maddie Skinner type player, but they can serve and pass you out of system enough that their collective talent is still is going to be enough to win. And, and it was really kind of interesting to see a Texas team, which hadn't always done that in Jarrett Elliott's tenure, now has done that with the last two titles, have been won kind of with serve, block, and defense.
1: Yeah, and that's what John Cook built his program on. And you ask him anything, what's the one thing you, you want to be good at? It's serve and pass. It's serve and pass. That's his mantra. He says every year, every throughout the year, too. So that's what I mean, looking at the numbers, too, I mean, Harper Murray was targeted 21 times, uh, which is by far the most. Lexi Rodriguez had 11 serve receives. And I think well, the one thing that surprised me is a lot, it seemed like a lot of the match, Nebraska was in a two-person serve receive. Um, with mm-hmm. a lot of times it was Lexi and Laney that were back there or Harper was back there, too. So they occasionally went, depending on the rotation, were three wide back there, too. But they were wanting Rodriguez and Choboy to handle a lot of those duties. And But Texas kept targeting those outside hitters, and uh, they got eight aces off of the just Horse and Harper. So um, it paid, the strategy paid off. And Jared, That's what Jared Elliott said, that they wanted to go after the outsides, make them work, make them have to do double duty. Mm-hmm be swinging at the net
0: yeah absolutely and, and you know Har- harper murray had, had struggled at times and serve received this year i th- think late in the year opponents had a scouting report scouting report on her that they were going to try to wear her down uh, i think it's important to point out what a tough thing i think nebraska is asking harper murray to do as a freshman Coming into college and immediately playing six rotations, that does not happen uh, all that often with freshmen. I mean, Michaela Fecky didn't play six rotations, I think until her junior year. And what we mean in in six rotations, if you're not familiar with all the responsibilities in volleyball, that means that you're going to be a primary passer in a couple Mm -hmm. of rotations. And then you might have to go up and hit in that same rally as well. So, you know, she's serving, she's passing, she's blocking, she's being a floor defender. Basically they're, they're asking you to have, to be a, an incredibly well-rounded volleyball player at a college level, at an elite college level, you know your first year in college, and and she signed up for that. She wants to do it. Nebraska likes to cha- um, train their outside hitters to play six rotations. Not everybody does that, and it doesn't really work for every outside hitter. And so, um, you know, Nebraska they always say themselves the the best six pat- uh, servers are going to play. Yeah. If you can get an aggressive serve on, you can you're going to play for Nebraska and. This was just a match where Nebraska got out-dueled from the service line. And let's talk, unless you have another thing on that, no, let's I talk think- about how that affected Nebraska's offense because it never, you know, it, serving and offense are not disconnected. They're, the serve is the start, or the pass is the start of the offense. So if you can't, you know, Bill Belichick would always say, if your quarterback can't field a snap, like we're just going to quit practice for the day because we can't do anything else. If you can't pass a serve, like you might as well not come out of the locker room because you can't do anything else.
1: Yeah, and Nebraska's offense really struggled, like you said. They hit o thirteen. Uh, both Beeson and Horst were negative. They have had a combined nine errors on thirty-one attacks. Uh, the middles were okay, I thought. I mean, uh, Bergen Riley forced the issue a little bit too, just to keep them involved and keep them uh, keep them interested. Mm-hmm. I mean, Becca Alec had three kills on seven swings. Seven swings is not very much. Um, Andy Jackson, I thought, struggled. She. She ran the slide a few times, but also just sailed, uh, sailed her Mm -hmm. shots wide that didn't even really have a chance to get in. So she had four kills, three airs on nine swings. So the middle,
0: the the next step I think for Andy Jackson is she needs to learn how to hit that slide down the line because she's got cross, and you know she's going to be able to probably jump a little bit higher above her already impressive vertical. But you know if you're gonna if you're gonna hit the slide, you can't just hit cross all the time. You got to be able to tool it, and you got to be able to hit line. And I think that's kind of the next step of growth you want to see for her. But yeah, she had some. She had a couple of balls she put away. She had a couple that she you know sent well wide.
1: But yeah, yeah, that, that's what she talked about. We talked to her post game too, is how she had never really run the slide before this year too. So hopefully, like you said, she starts adding the her repertoire of, over the off season and adds a couple more so, shots where she. Um, is not just going that cross court and if it's just off, then mm-hmm. it's sailing in the first row. The other key battle that I thought of the whole night um, was the L two battle too. I think, I mean, we knew that um, that they were Skinner was going to get hers, but if, if Nebraska could hold uh, Jenna Wenis in check, they would get life, uh, and, and if they get something mm-hmm. from Alex Batenhorst too at the L two position, that would really help things in their favor, but. Nebraska lost that battle. It wasn't, wasn't yeah. really close.
0: I mean, Jenna well, was Well, we, good. yeah, we uh, Jenna Wenis had nine kills, only two errors. And if you're Texas, you'll take that every day because uh, where where Jenna Wenis can hurt you is if she gets really error prone. And she wasn't against Nebraska on Sunday. We highlighted this matchup um, on Sunday, or sorry, on on our our Saturday show previewing the national title match. And you know, I had my doubts on whether Nebraska was going to be able to play. The L two position to a draw. Allie Beaton, horse two kills, five errors on fourteen swings. She did have one block, and uh, the the production from that position just really hasn't been there since uh, Lindsey Krause went down with the, her ankle injury in October. And I think you know Nebraska has to figure out whether it's Lindsey Krause coming back uh, fully healthy next year, or or a number of other options. They just need more production offensively from from that L two position from than what they got over the last half of uh, of this season, because yeah, that was an area where where Texas won that battle. Um, it, it you know when you have a strong L two, it means that you're always going to have an offensive threat up there in the front row on the left side to to score both in system and out of system. And you know, Allie Batenhorst, I think, was was being asked to carry a load that maybe we didn't expect her to have to carry early in the season, but as soon as Lindsey Krause went down. Um, you know, beaten was, was in the spot. And so uh, that's just an area. I think Nebraska needs some more production from next year, whether it's players getting healthy, players taking a jump in, in what they played to um, this year or something completely different. I don't know, but um, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, by the spring, what we think that Nebraska's options are going to be at that spot.
1: Yes, for sure. The other position battle that Texas won was the battle of the freshman setter. Uh, For for props up to uh, Ellis Wendell, the third freshman setter, third true freshman setter to win Mm -hmm. a national title. Uh, There's been four setters and and complete freshman year setters to uh, win it, but she did. She did well. I thought she had five kills. She's a bunch bigger. She's six foot three, so she can do a lot more at the net. Really that aggression played off there. 21 assists. Those two aces we mentioned before and seven digs. Bergen Riley, I thought did okay. I mean, Going back again, if you're not passing well, you're not giving your setter much yeah. to and she's running all over the court. She had seventeen assists, but yeah, it just
0: Yeah, the problem in the problem in this match for Nebraska was certainly not Bergen Riley. Um yeah. like Bergen Riley was being asked to drive a race car that like had no spark plugs and one wheel missing. So I you know, she could have played the match of her life and I don't think it would have gotten Nebraska any closer to winning. Um you did see kind of on those big Texas runs in games 2 and 3 I think Ellis swindle was was feeling a little froggy and and being more aggressive with her attack and that's one thing if you'd watched Texas play in the last couple of weeks she's just a more aggressive offensive setter in in attacking herself that's an area where I think I would like to see Bergen Riley grow a little bit as well um but you know Horberg and Riley was like running, running all over the place, trying to chase down first contacts. And I I don't know what you could have really asked her to do differently on this.
1: No. Yeah, definitely. And the the other impressive part about Texas is offense. I mean, uh, we mentioned Swindle had 21 assists. They had 13 non-setter assists uh, that came from uh, the Emma Halter had six of them. So they had 38 total kills compared to just 20 for Nebraska and only 21 of those of those 38 came, came on assist from the setter so they did Texas played a mm-hmm. lot better than Nebraska out of system and uh scramble mode there was also they won a lot of jousts the net too where they kind of sucked all of Nebraska's uh attackers up to cover a block and then they jousted and they tipped tipped it back to the back end line that has seemed to Yeah she
0: threw a pineapple out to the to the back corner it yeah it was you know and just another area where i think Texas was superior. Uh, we don't have her down on here. I had her on my other list to talk about, but Texas's libero, um, a sophomore, I believe Emma Halter was really, really good. She had nine digs, which isn't going to blow you away, but it was a, it was a match high um, in digs for, for either team. And, and the way that Texas has sort of invested in and um, embraced th- the importance of floor defense and back row play these last couple years with bringing in Zoe Fleck as a transfer last year, um, uh, Emma Halter this year, it's it seemed so as if nebraska didn't have enough problems in this match it seemed really hard to get a ball down on texas like they were not giving up on balls emma halter was keeping balls alive and you know when you add that to the other offensive problems nebraska had with serve receive um it was just uh, you know another area where where texas kind of was superior but in in the past you know that had been a texas weakness that you could yeah, they weren't great in the back row. You could get balls down on them, and and to their credit, Texas has really stepped it up defensively these last couple of seasons.
1: You almost look back at that uh, regional final when Nebraska had at Texas in 2021. You look at how Nebraska beat Texas it was superior for defense. I mean, they had Lexi Rodriguez, Kenzie Knuckles, and uh, Kayla Akana, and then also mm-hmm. serving, Kayla Akana had I think six aces against Texas in that match alone. Uh, What does Texas do? They go out and get Zoe Fleck, who's one of the best liberos in the nation. And I don't know if it was intentionally, or just things worked out that they brought in Akana to help provide more floor defense and serving. And so I don't know if that Mm -hmm. loss in 21 was kind of an inflection point of realizing that, Hey, just having great hitters and winning by offense is not going to get it done at the elite level in the postseason. So that to me, that may have been an aha moment for Jared Elliott. I'm I'm sure he already was aware of it, but it reinforced Mm -hmm. that defense and serving. Yeah. really do make a difference in the postseason
0: that's kind of the big picture look at the match and how it went down we, we we do want to dive into a little bit of um get a little granular with this and and look at each of the sets and kind of what the turning points uh were lincoln do you want to jump into set one uh, and just start off um this yeah. is this to me is you know the it was the only set that was close and i yeah. thought there were some real key turning points in this if the match had ended up being more competitive. Ultimately, it didn't happen that way. But you know, you're not, if you're Nebraska at the end of game one, I don't think you're feeling too bad about yourself.
1: Yeah, they, Nebraska played very average, I thought, and still had a shot to win it. Uh, but the match start the match started out 4-0 Texas lead and kind of a preview of the uh, match to come. Uh, Skinner had two kills and Beeson had two errors, really set the tone for the match too. And they were just errant shots by Merritt, which is a little bit uncharacteristic, but kind of showed that she never really got into a rhythm and. Texas was also they they struggled with the serve receive. Uh, I believe I think Emma Halter was the first one to serve, and they didn't get Mm -hmm. very good passes off there. So those first four points, all by Texas, really set the tone for the match.
0: Yeah, and we didn't mention this in sort of our big picture look. Um, This was not a great final four for Merritt Beeson. I don't have the numbers from Pitt in front of me, but she I think she had like eight kills, seven errors against Pitt, something like that. hit negative today against texas one of our points on the show yesterday when we were pointing out matchups to look for is we said if nebraska was going to have a chance to win this match Merritt Beeson was going to need to be a star and she just did not cover herself in glory in the in the two final four matches and nebraska is going to get her for one more year uh next year i imagine she's going to be a captain again she spoke after the match um and she's got to be a player that is really going to take this uh, into the off season and, and see what she can do to raise her plate to, to still another level.
1: But somehow still made the all-tournament team for the Final Four. I'm sorry. Don't blame me. Mm. I forgot to vote on that. I got an email during the middle of the match and I was not checking my email. Uh, my apologies. Mm-hmm. One of the people selected I didn't get my votes in because I didn't see the email until after the fact. So I would have probably maybe <laughs> chosen Harper-Murray instead of Merritt, but uh, Merritt Beeson all-tournament team. She got for the intangibles. But yeah, she struggled early on. Uh, but Nebraska, after they fall down 4-0, uh, they actually they they fight back. They have a nice little 5-1 five, run, uh, two kills from Andy Jackson, two kills from Harper Murray. So they go up 11-9. Maybe things are looking okay. Again, just very tight back and forth, back and forth. Um, Texas goes up. I think it was it was 20-16 to, six, 20 to 16 was, was kind of their biggest four-point advantage, too. Mm-hmm. Nebraska gets a point back. And then there's a long rally, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, Both teams blocked. Nebraska pops it up. A lot of scrambling going on. Um, But during the middle of this, I missed this, too. But Jared Elliott got a yellow card for arguing with the officials or said something that talking about the officials or telling them to confer. He didn't know about. I
0: still don't know what that what that was about. He was very upset that he feels they missed the call and and he held on to that angst for like three more rallies
1: yeah he, he didn't know about it till after the uh after the match we in the post-game press conference somebody somebody asked him about it that's when he learned that about that first yellow because a couple points later uh there is another long rally uh that ends up in uh, jenna Wenis. uh looks like she has a kill but gets hit get called for a net violation too jared elliott again goes talks to the officials he what what he said was he asked for the officials to confer and apparently you're not allowed to talk about the officials and he gets a red card, hmm. And then the next point, Merritt Beeson gets an ACE and the, and the set is tied up at 22, 22.
0: I was very confused when that, when that was happening because they don't, you know, I think uh, either I, I had the volume turned down or I had it muted and I couldn't tell what exactly had happened, but it goes from being basically twenty. 20- 2220 texas to 2222 and i'm sitting here thinking like this is this is a huge mistake by jared elliott to cost your team a free point in the national championship match in a match in in a set where texas was actually you know they didn't they were dom- they were dominating the set maybe but they were the the pace of play was going their way they were getting more they kills they were serving nebraska they were the better team statistically and they they were controlling the set And it's like, if you let this set slip away, this is an all-time boneheaded move. Now, of course, it didn't happen that way because Texas went on a 3-0 run to end the set. But, like, I could not believe a coach would do that in a national championship match.
1: It was dangerous, too, because that really got the crowd into it, too. I mean, after that merritt and ace, their whole arena was loud. That was one of the loudest moments uh, of the entire match, too. Mm -hmm. It gave Nebraska the momentum. It was tied twenty-two twenty-two. He called timeout. I don't know if he apologized, but he kind of wanted his team to reset. They did. They come out of that timeout. Uh, they they get a block. Maddie Skinner has that has a big out of system kill, which may have been the one over the triple block.
0: Yeah, and like mm-hmm. we talked
1: about, Akana ends it with Mason. Yeah,
0: all is forgiven. If you're if you're in Nebraska, if you're in Nebraska, you have to do better out of that timeout. Than, than Albion Horse getting blocked by Ajo, O'Neill and Molly Phillips. Like, that was a that was your one, one chance in the match to seize momentum, and, and it just goes right back to Texas. So Texas wins game one, 25-22, uh, and from there it, it gets much worse.
1: Yeah, but before we get to that, uh, let's give a shout-out to our good friends at Bison Incorporated. Uh, if you need competition-quality volleyball equipment, contact a good sports at Bison Incorporated this nebraska based manufacturer has a widest selection of indoor and outdoor systems available with your choice of carbon aluminum steel hybrid and portable volleyball systems Volleyball day in Nebraska one of maybe one of the highlights of the whole season uh absolutely using the setup from bison uh, the teams played inside Memorial stadium from ninety two thousand three people using bison's freestanding portable arena junior so call eight hundred two four seven Seven six six eight for help finding the perfect fit for your facility. Request a quote online or find a Bison dealer near you at www.bisoninc.com.
0: Yeah, thank you so much to Bison for supporting us uh, at Volleyball State over the last couple months. We're really proud to have you along with us too for the NCAA uh, tournament coverage. Man, we did. I just—I just now I'm realizing this. We did three shows in like the last five days. We're like potted out.
1: I, mean, I think we need a break after week. this.
0: Yeah, one. we did four in the last week. We'll probably do another one, you know, later on this week, and after that, we're gonna we're gonna take a little bit of a break. I think Nebraska needs the off season. Jeff and Lincoln need the off season too. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, hey, let's let's go into let's go into set two. Nebraska's hanging tough at ten to seven in game two, and that's when uh, I don't know the eclipse happens. The bottom falls out. Same thing happened to Nebraska in game two that Texas pulled on Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was game four against Wisconsin on Thursday, but 11 consecutive Texas points. You want to get into that Lincoln?
1: It was just, well, it starts off, uh, Maddie Skinner, Maddie, we haven't talked about this yet too. One of her most effective attacks. I mean, she brings the thunder, but she also comes sometimes, sometimes from the back row and just has a nice delicate tip touch that tip from the
0: back row. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's, it's almost Uh, like I've seen it's like a pitcher. The only
0: other hmm Well, and, you know, you you bring a, a triple block up to to try to stop that, or really what happens it, is Nebraska's, like, off-blocker, off the defender in the front row kind of vacates that spot and leaves it wide open. Katie Rolson would do this every once in a while for Nebraska, too. Actually landed one late in that 2015 National Championship match against Texas. And, again, that's just court vision. There are times where Nebraska tips, like, right to a, a back row defender, a libero, and it's just an easy transition um, opportunity, and you're like, why did you do that? Why did you tip to the area of the floor where there's two people? Um, Maddie Skinner has great vision; she can see exactly where the the floor defenders have vacated, and yeah, she landed a couple of those um, on Sunday. But it was it was Asia O'Neill from the service yeah. line. We we haven't talked about this yet. Just in most college volleyball teams do not have their middles serve. You'll see it in international volleyball where there's fewer. Substitutions and the middles have to be more well-rounded players. But you know, like Dana Retke was one of the big middles I remember serving um for, for Wisconsin and not a whole lot of others. I mean, Nebraska doesn't let their middles serve that much. Lauren Stivens did a little bit. Um, and and Amber Olson I think, served as well. But, you know, middles usually get shuffled out um when it's their turn to serve and they'll bring in some five, six DS. And no, Texas sends Asia O'Neal back to serve. She's one of the best servers in the country. She served four straight aces, um, got Murray, got Beeson, got Bas- Horse Might have got Murray twice, actually. Um, but four straight aces, like, uh, you know, it's like giving up a defensive score in football. Like, check the stats. How many sets do you win if you give up four consecutive aces? And it went, uh, it, it put Nebraska just behind the eight ball.
1: I see, then Nebraska's like in panic mode because they're trying to do that. They call the timeout. Uh, they tried to put Hayden Kubick in just to mix things up. That lasted for one rally. Bait and horse came back in. Uh,
0: what happened on that one rally? Do you remember what happened on that rally? Uh, Hayden Kubick got blocked. Kubik got blocked.
1: <laughs> yes. And then the next ra- next rally, uh, Jackson got blocked too. So that was, I mean, Nebraska was just, I think they were pressing a little bit, trying to get something, trying yeah. to do anything, and it didn't. And Nebraska used both of their timeouts during the 11-0 run, which you would expect. They're just trying to change it up and they don't and they get to eleven so eighteen ten Texas, it up and the streak finally ends when uh swindle has a little tip. she tries to go sideline and just tips it wide. Mm-hmm. Uh
0: fairly wide.
1: Yeah, and it and that but by then the damage was done. Nebraska is just it's eighteen eleven, not much they can do can, at that point.
0: have you ever seen the movie The Replacements with Gene Hackman and Keanu Reeves that's like on TNT all the time?
1: Uh I have not.
0: The, There's a, so like Keanu Reeves plays a a football player and it's about a striking, you know, NFL league. Mm -hmm. And they bring in all these replacement players and they're going around in the locker room in some pivotal scene, talking about what their greatest fears are. And Keanu Reeves talks about quicksand being his biggest fear. And it's a metaphor of course, for once one mistake happens, then it compounds and compiles and it turns into three or five mistakes. And it feels like you're just getting the harder you struggle, the the harder you're being sucked down. And that's what happened to Nebraska on sunday the huskers got stuck in quicksand and nothing they could do could could get them out of it and it carried over through the intermission uh into game three and i thought it was you know kind of gallows humor i watched the post or not post match but the the between set interview with john cook on abc and they're kind of like well coach hey uh what do you gotta do to turn things around you know the quintessential coach question he's like well it'd be nice if we could start passing some serves and it's like you don't think that an answer is going to be that simple, but really that's what it was. If you can't pass serves, like you can't do anything else. And, um, and Texas got off to a hot start in game three, too.
1: Yeah. And guess who it was? It was Madison Skinner. It was Maddie
0: Skinner. Yeah.
1: She went kill, kill, kill to start the match. Texas is up, uh, start, start the third set. Texas up 3 0. Nebraska does come back and make it 4 3. But then Texas answers right back. Go to Asia O'Neill, had a slide kill. Another key ace, uh, by this one by Maddie Skinner. And then uh, Ali Bainhorst has a hitting air, too. And Nebraska really never, they they kept it within that distance. But then Texas ended it pretty much. They had a 5-0 run uh, to go up 19-10. to 10, Again, to go up 19-10. to 10, And the set was pretty much over. And then it became, we uh, let the celebration begin. And Texas fans really made themselves mm-hmm. late in that third set.
0: So texas would would start their rotations let's see they started game three in this rotation in game two they started it looks like in a different rotation um, and in game one they started also with halter serving so Texas liked to start in a rotation where their um, where their libero was serving, and mm-hmm. you don't often see that I feel like, and I think that was that's just the rotation they liked having Skinner in the front row. Uh, we should go back and look at what Avid was posting on Twitter because he had the he had the the dial spinning matchup nailed where he said this is Texas knows what rotation Nebraska likes to start in. they can match up with that depending on what their which rotation they decide to start in and i don 't know if Nebraska tried to spin the dial. I honestly didn't pay that close of attention, and I haven't gone back and rewatched the match yet to see if Nebraska tried to alter their rotation whatsoever. Yeah. And I can understand why they didn't, because it wasn't like a blocking matchup that was giving Nebraska problems. It wasn't an offensive. I mean, this was like day one serve and pass um, difficulties, and it didn't matter what rotation Nebraska was in. If nobody can pass, then yeah. nothing's going to get done.
1: Yeah, Bergen Riley served was the first serve for Nebraska each of the three sets yeah. too. So they Nebraska. I mean, they may they started a half rotation off in the second set. Uh, when mm-hmm. in Texas served first, but uh, they started that started that the same way uh, every mm-hmm. single time as well too. So,
0: so. Texas was up 14 um, ten and then and then a five oh run that made it nineteen to ten and the Texas actually ended the match. I had this written down at one point. I think it was an eleven to one run, Lincoln because yes. yeah. Texas was up 14 ten and they won it twenty five eleven. So yeah, an eleven to one run for Texas to end the match. Once again, Nebraska stuck in quicksand, nothing they were going to do. And, you know, I would I'm interested to hear from you. Just it sounds stupid for me to ask you, like what was the mood like afterwards? But like what what was the prevailing sentiment from from everyone? Was it was it disappointment in themselves? Was it shock? Was it just everybody sad? It, what What was it? What was the main discussion afterward?
1: It was disappointment. I mean, they were just there. A lot of tears, just because I think it came end so suddenly. I mean, this was not the same team that completely blew Pittsburgh out of the gym on Thursday night. So there was just I think there's some shock, and they were coming to grips with the fact that the ride they had been Mm -hmm. on since really since January uh, was over. And I I think that was kind of this the feeling like they didn't believe what just happened was real, Um, and I think there was. I mean, there's always that talk of using this match as. We'll be back next year, especially with the team with no seniors. Um, We'll be back. We'll be back. mm, Never count
0: on. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. Yeah, from what you just said, I think you're kind of of the same mindset with me. And and I read this in the hours after the match. um, With I think it was Harper Murray who said we're going to come back and win three straight national championships, and Becca Alec, you know, profanely agreed with that. Yeah. You know, I think that comes from a place of anger and a place of pride. You know, I'm not a therapist. I don't claim to be one, but like, I think those kids are pretty pissed at themselves that that was the showing they put up in front of however many million people watched that on ABC. I think they're embarrassed. And I think they are saying, you know, we're going to, we're going to come back and we're going to win this multiple years in a row just as a, you know, a little bit of bravado to try to pump themselves up. And, and yeah, I think Nebraska is going to be really highly ranked to start next year. But like you can't guarantee that the team is going to be the same. The vibe is going to be the same. How many Nebraska teams have we seen win a national title and people think they're going to be even better the next year. It happened at least twice in 2006 and 2016 and it didn't happen either time. So this is, you know, anytime you get to the championship match, it's gather you rosebuds while you may, because you, it's not guaranteed. We saw this year, there was an injury that, took out a starter midway through the season. Like, you, people are going to transfer. People are going to graduate. People are going to get hurt. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. And so you have to take your chances when you can.
1: For sure. We talked about the 1986 specific team, which is the only team to win a title with zero seniors on the roster. They, they brought everyone back for that next year. They fell short. They didn't win it, even though they were two-time defending champions. The exact same team came back from a title team and did not. When you look across the country too, I mean, Texas returns a lot of the same players. They lose their middles and they lose Molly Phillips. Um, Wisconsin's bringing almost everyone back. They probably they lose their setters, but they bring in an elite setter from the the prep ranks. Uh, so there's, I mean, the, yes, Nebraska did a great job, but you wanted you're here, you're in the title game. You don't want to say, oh, we we'll have another shot of this down the road. No, you take your opportunity when you have it. So I think yeah, there was a little bit of anger, but I think the other sentiment too was just pride and kind of um they're, they're very appreciative of the journey they went on they talked a lot about the relationships mm-hmm. they had with their teammates and how much they all enjoyed being around each other um and i think mm-hmm. that they i don't know if it's disappointment and anger but i think it's a lot of that's internal that they let their teammates mm-hmm. down they may feel like they let their teammates down and just didn't seize the opportunity so that's mm-hmm. another another probably emotion that they were feeling as well yeah, and
0: and today is today is a down feeling, right? You're you're gonna you can't help but be disappointed after after losing a national championship match. What I want us to do just on this show is, you know, we're gonna come back in a few days later on this this week with a little bit more of a high level view of of the team. Um, I think we're gonna be able to kind of celebrate the team and the journey and the accomplishments they did have a little bit more. It's hard to do tonight. It's hard to kind of try to put all that perspective in that needs a couple of days to breathe. Also, I think, you know, we've got this here in the notes, but I hope I want us to save it for for the next time we talk to y'all. Um, you know, what are some potential changes that are coming from next year? And even if there's, you know, even if nobody leaves, right, there's no seniors. So and you have what, two to three incoming three, freshmen, I think two freshmen incoming freshmen that, freshmen that you got to make room for. Um and in the in the new N I L world, that can be done. Um, and you might just have a larger roster next year. But I think, you know, what we want to talk about is maybe some areas where Nebraska needs to improve their production, and how that happens is not entirely, you know, we don't know yet. And um, But, you know, I think if for tonight, I think it's, it's safe to say this, this was a disappointing way to, to end the season. Um, Texas a very deserving champion now. Now they've won two straight national championships. And for Nebraska, this is their third consecutive loss in an NCAA final um, when they've reached it, 2018, 2021 and 2023, which I think puts Nebraska under 500 now all time in, uh, NCAA championship matches. Um, tomorrow's a new day and next year's a new year, but for tonight. Uh, it just wasn't good enough in the in the national championship match, Lincoln. What else do you want to throw I in for tonight? Like, I mean,
1: this has been a dour kind of night because Nebraska lost two. But I think the other thing is tonight was just a today was just a great celebration of volleyball. I mean, there was a new record nineteen thousand seven hundred twenty seven people in Amalie Arena. Uh, a lot of them were Nebraska fans. I mean, I I don't know. I tried to gauge. It was hard to tell, but it was definitely a very. I mean. Sixty to seventy percent of the fans was probably Nebraska mm-hmm. rooting for Nebraska. I mean, twenty percent or so Texas, and then the hard part to tell is how many people are neutrals and just cheering for good volleyball. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was a very I mean, it was a great showing by Husker Nation to come on down here. They flooded Tampa for the last few days. Uh, everywhere that I went, just in my hotel downtown at restaurants, there was always Nebraska fans. So it was, it was a fun time to see that, and and also the the pregame atmosphere was so awesome. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, and it. Hopefully everyone listening to this has seen the videos of the team entrance into the arena. It was just mm-hmm. uh, thousands and thousands of fans yeah. there to welcome. So that was really cool. It was really fun to be part of that. Yes, it ended on a, on a down note with a lot of sweep and a loss, but I think it was really cool to see for the sport. We'll see in the next couple of days, like Jeff said, how many millions of people watched this. Hopefully they hung on and the product didn't turn them off. So a great day for the sport of volleyball, and just really, mm-hmm. it's really cool for the Nebraska to be a part of it, and I'm really honored that I get to be part of it, covering and writing about it as part of this team.
0: Well, we're going to be back uh, in a few days later on this week to, um, to take that kind of season-long recap view of uh, what this season has meant to Nebraska volleyball. We're going to go uh, find a great guest who's going to be able to come on and give us that perspective and chat about that with us. Until then, we want to thank the great folks at the University of Nebraska Federal Credit Union and Bison Incorporated for supporting the show, as well as all of you for listening, subscribing, coming back in good times and in bad, following us uh, on Twitter at VolleyballPod, emailing the show at VolleyballState at gmail.com. You can find me individually on Twitter at By Jeff Sheldon And Lincoln, tell the folks ab- about yes. what you've kind of got planned for your end-of-season stuff.
1: Yes, uh, you can find all my... Tweets online at Lincoln underscore VB or Lincoln a underscore VB on threads. Uh, I will have a bunch. I'll have another, an article coming out uh, on Monday or Tuesday, just kind of a follow-up Look, having a little bit more of that forward lens of what this loss means to Nebraska going forward. I'm also working on a magazine feature. So uh, subscribe to Huskers illustrated. There's a lot of great content, a lot more in-depth features that I write for that. Uh, I'll also be voting on the all American awards and volleyball mag. I uh, have another big piece kind of about the uh, the sport coming out sometime in January as well, too. I'm really I talked to a bunch of coaches down here this week, too, about just kind of more of the financial side and uh, the money impact on volleyball and raising that bar, too. So I'm working on a lot. So the offseason is not going to hit for a while, but we're going to slow down a little bit. and I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yes, we're both going to take a little bit of a break and then we're going to talk about, you know, kind of what the best version of the show is going to be going forward. We want to do more and um, inter- entertain more folks, educate more folks, and really hear from you about the ways that you want to consume this show. Because, hey, we're just a couple of average middle-aged podcasters that don't know what we don't know. And we're going to see who wants to help us kind of figure it out and, and create the best version of the show possible. Thank you so much to Podcast House Media, who is certainly one of those folks who has helped us along. You can find all of the great Podcast House Media shows online at Media. Com. Until next week, he's Lincoln. I'm Jeff. Have a great night, and thanks
1: for living in the volleyball state.